close to an eight-second violation yep. again by Odom just walking the ball across. Very nonchalant trying to use the clock, but you have to get across that midcourt line. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? You can't defend that, Barb. I mean, it means. That, of course, uh, from the 2010 playoffs, the, the game, uh, where, uh, Kobe hit the shot against the Suns and then, as he said there, gave a little tap yeah. to Alvin Gentry, Alvin Gentry on his tush. So many game winners, right? When you think about it, and the Suns and Spurs actually were the recipients of a lot of those game winners. Uh, you know, they had to deal with the ramifications of him nailing those shots well, in those postseason games. Think about, Andy and I talk about this a lot. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano. Uh, same aim coming up in about uh, 25 minutes from from the athletic. I asked Kobe once towards the end of his career, like what w- what do you think would have happened if you know Jerry West doesn't play the Jedi mind trick and you are taken in Charlotte, Charlotte keeps you, or Jersey drafts you like they were supposed to do, or whatever it is, and you don't end up a Laker. Do you do you think your career would have finished the same way? Would you have won as many titles? He said, "Yes, yeah, oh, of course." Of course, he said, and like he's, I'm like, how though? Like he's like, I'd have figured it out. Yeah, and like you think about all the franchises whose luck could have been Portland's thing, Sacramento, the Suns, I mean the the entire Western Conference. You know, everybody's got banners. In this world where Kobe is over there. But you also think about the fortune Kobe had that the Jedi mind trick worked and that he ended up a Laker at the time he became a Laker. I mean, one of the things that was so frustrating right. for Kobe in that period where he eventually demanded a trade is Kobe had never really been part of a bad team before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kobe entered the league with Shaq, which instantly made the Lakers good. They were always a good team. Right. Kobe had to wrap his head around the idea of starting from a different place. Yeah. Where you had Kobe had to kill himself just to get the Lakers into the first round of the playoffs. I mean, when you look back at that 1996 draft, right? Like you were kind of rolling down the teams, like as college players or as prospects, like you could understand the first five or six, right? Like yeah. Allen Iverson, Marcus Camby, Marcus Camby. Those guys are good. I mean, that yeah. guy in college was incredible. And he had a long and really right. excellent And it was career. still the 90s. So yeah. big men mattered. And yeah, he did have a long career or whatnot. But yeah, like think about, he put UMass on the map. He put John Calipari on the map. Really, and then you have you know Sharif Abdurrahim was a great college player. Uh, Stephon Marbury obviously was a great player. Ray Allen, Antoine Walker was a was a very good pro and and a very a great college player. And then you have the Clippers, Lorenzen Wright, and then you have the Nets took Kerry Kittles was good but not yeah. great. Yeah. You know what I mean in college. Samaki Walker was was a good college player. Um, Laker champion. Eric Dampier, Todd Fuller. Vitaly Potapenko. Yes. Oh, yeah. Went right before Kobe Bryant. Who could forget? Vitaly Potapenko. Yeah. Everyone. Is the answer um, to that question. Seattle. Seattle was, but did it, not draft before Kobe But you know what? Okay. It goes to, uh, before we get back to a couple calls here, just it goes to how weird it was to take a guard, a 17-year-old guard. Oh, at that time. At that time. It was the most taboo thing ever. Right. Oh, it I, looks I remember. You say that, like, who out of those other guys, but. 17-year-old guard. Oh, I remember hearing that news and being like, wait, they traded Vladi for the rights for a 17-year-old guard? Yeah. Like, I mean, now that yeah. seems like, duh. Right. But then? It was Jerry West being ahead of the curve like he always is. Uh, Michael in Encino, you're on with uh, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and George Sedano. 
Hey, guys. Um, hey, first and foremost, the coverage, everything is just fantastic. Um, appreciate you letting me be on the air here. You guys are doing an absolute phenomenal job. Cool, thank you. Tragedy in every sense of the word. Um, but as I'm reflecting with my buddies yesterday, we're in our group chat. We're talking about, you know, the love we have for each other and how lucky we are to, to not only have, have each other, but to be blessed with having a guy like Kobe have such an impact on our lives and make so many memories. And one memory that really stands out to me was I was at that Phoenix Suns game where he hit the game-winning shot 2006, I believe, game four or game five. And uh, when he does, when he takes his shirt and shows his heart. Yep. Um, and a friend of mine, I was 15 years old at the time, a friend of mine took me to the game. And that friend actually is no longer with us as well. His life was taken tragically as well a couple of years ago. So whenever I see that highlight, I'm always grateful for Kobe for giving me that moment because that friend is still always with me when I see that moment. Um, so it just goes. I'm sure a lot of people have similar stories where Kobe touched them in ways that was beyond the game of basketball, and we're all forever grateful for that. And when you guys are reminiscing about the 60-point game, it brought a great big smile to my face, something that was much needed. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are feeling the same way. So thanks again. All right, Michael and Encino, thanks so much for that. And I, that story is one of those things. That it not only tells you about the, the role that's, that Kobe plays in things like that, but the, really the role that sports play and the role that our teams play. And, you know, the, 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 the way that Kobe and the memory of Kobe is related to a memory of a friend and these times in our lives and the places you take your kids and, I, that's why all of this stuff matters, and that's why it hurts so much. Well, I mean, you also, too, with Kobe having spent 20 years with the Lakers, you have the ability to not just watch Kobe grow up, but you grow up with your friends watching Kobe grow up and have these moments. Like, I, I've got a group of friends that I remember watching early, you know, the three-peat era championships for Kobe. Like, I remember where I was with those guys and we watch those in our late 20s. We are older now. And we all watched, you know, Kobe yep. go through all of this together, aging with him. Well, it's funny. Uh, I remember Jeremy, uh, we spoke to earlier in the show um, from Torrance, mentioned like Kobe was the first star that he saw that he was older than. And I remember I'm a, I'm a couple years older than Kobe. And but like he always seems so much older than me because like he had kids earlier than right. I did. And it was just, right. I mean, he was Kobe Bryant. He was far more mature in that way. Yeah. Um, he, he's just a, a remarkable guy. And so we'll, we'll tell more of these stories. Uh, take more of your phone calls, 877-710-ESPN. Same AMIC coming up at 2.30. Hope to catch up as well with Zach Lowe from ESPN. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano, 710 ESPN. He is literally on his last leg right now. Alternately... It has seemed to be his knee, uh, this, his foot, his ankle, and now his Achilles. Yeah, this time, it, I don't think he's going to be able to do what he did the last two times where he ran it off and was able to play with the pain. Yeah. I mean, he's not even uh, really going to shoot the free throws. He could barely make it to the free throw line. Bryant tonight with 32 points, five rebounds, four assists, and he is hurting. But the Lakers down by two, and they want him and need him at the free throw line. Now this next, I mean, after this free throw, I'm going to be very curious to see how he responds, you know, not backpedaling or whatever he has to do to get to the other end, if in fact he gets to the other end before a foul move. Made him. Lakers might foul. They might foul to get him out of the game. They have to. 
And of course, Kobe Bryant in that game against the, the Golden State Warriors where he hit those free throws with the torn Achilles, which to me, guys, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano is the single most remarkable thing that I have ever seen. <laughs> it's the toughest anywhere. thing I've ever seen. Let me tell you something, man. Um, I've seen a, I want to say a lot, but a good number of athletes blow out an Achilles. Basketball, football, and I've never seen anyone react like that. And football players are tough as hell, okay? Like, they get, you know, battered for a living. And I've seen them not do anything remotely close to that. I've said before many times, you know, well before this unfortunate tragedy, I am not convinced that any other NBA player, past, present, or future, could have done that. No. Like, I know there are a lot of great ones. I know there are a lot of mentally tough ones, physically tough ones, emotionally tough ones. But to be able to compartmentalize everything going on that you knew Kobe was aware of and be able to step up in that moment is unfathomable. It's incredible. It is incredible. It is the most incredible. He's done a lot of incredible things. But I think just from a pure pain tolerance standpoint, I think it is the most incredible thing he's ever done. But even beyond the pain, which is... I mean, difficult to describe the psychology of it. Well, that's what I'm talking. I'm not just talking about physical, oh, pain. Right, the mental, the pain, pain of all of it. Because you know, first of all, you, you, Kobe, this was the culmination of a stretch where Kobe basically dragged the Dwight team mm-hmm. into a playoff position, and now he's not going to play. Did all that work thirty whatever minutes a night? Now he's not playing four eggs. Right. Well four. I was going to say well above forty minutes a night. That People up. still blame Mike D'Antoni for this, and. He goes through all that. He, now he's not going to play in the playoffs, and he may never play another basketball game. And he knows that. Right. There's no guarantee you come back from an Achilles. Right. And to have all of that and make the free throws. Yeah. It, it, to me, that just crystallizes what he was. Personified him, right? Like, that's that's who he is, man, and who he was. He was I mean, single, look, you heard me yeah. just say is. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a very difficult thing to not do in something that we're going to have to figure out. Uh, Dolores in Arcadia, you are on 710 ESPN. Hi. First of all, I just want to send condolences out to all the families. And thank you guys for doing this. Um, my son is 20 years old, and to get the call yesterday, to hear my son in tears broke my heart. I didn't even know what was going on. My son has loved Kobe from probably the day he was born. In 2010, I took him to a Kobe camp, and he met Kobe. He was able to meet him personally. And, and it was just amazing. He was able to go behind the scenes. The coach that he was with loved him and couldn't believe the knowledge that my son had of Kobe. And Kobe talked to him, and Kobe told him about school, about playing basketball. My son was on the shorter side of a basketball player, but he said, don't let that stop you. And the next day they had, like, group photos, and he still remembered my son. There was, like, a 1,000 kids there. But to still remember my son the next day, it was amazing. Fast forward to when his last games that year, we met up with a Laker management. I don't want to put her name out there. And she knew my son's love of basketball, love of Kobe. And she got us tickets for Kobe's last game. And to be at that game and just to hear them chanting, Kobe, 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 it was amazing. Now my son's 20 years old, and he has his own training. He's doing basketball training. He's coaching the girls' basketball team, and he watches – he was watching all of Kobe's highlights when he coaches his daughters. He's read the Mamba mentality. Kobe's been his mentor. He's been his role model. I mean, when he was a little boy, Kobe got into trouble. Of course, I didn't tell him why, but he would tell him, Mom, 
Kobe might go to jail because he won't pass the ball. And I would, yeah, that's the reason. But he's known, I mean, just to see this and to see everybody else in L.A. and all over the world hurting over this man, I feel sorry for his family. I feel sorry for all the players. And I just want to say thank you for doing this. And he was a remarkable man. He was a remarkable businessman. Mm-hmm. And that has made my son, who's going to college, change his degree. Well, actually get his degree. He wants to do it in marketing so he can market his own business because he's, he's been watching this that's, man and how he's doing his own business. That's really amazing. Dolores, thank you so much for that call. And it's, it's story after story. And it started this morning at 6 a.m. with the guys in the morning show and Alan Slee were taking calls, you know, for a couple hours and we've taken calls on this guys. And it's story after story after story of these little things that seem, you know, just like little courtesies from a, a person like Kobe Bryant that have massive impact for the people who receive them. <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a kid like that when that's your one moment with Kobe and you're made to feel special mm-hmm. by somebody of that magnitude. Like just what it means to you as a kid, you know, small child just identifying a sense of self and, you know, you just things are uncertain to you as a little kid. There's a lot you don't understand to have that type of reassurance from Kobe Bryant must just be incredible. Oh man, what does it do for your confidence? You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that. Like, he, look, he understood his place. I mean, we touched on it a while ago, right? Like, he understood his place not only from a personal perspective, but he chose his, his words carefully at times. Uh, and sometimes he didn't, and he did that with a purpose too, which was the best. I always felt that. Older Kobe was my favorite Kobe. Absolutely. Because he gave no bleeps. Yeah, he became drunken uncle on Thanksgiving, you know, Kobe. Yeah. I, I, just to jump Or back. Grandma Kamenetsky. Yes. Yeah. Well, he wasn't that mean. Yeah. No, she was not a nice lady. Um, you talked about, like, not using your words, right? I mean, there was the, the uh, incident with Benny Adams where he used the uh, derogatory mm-hmm. words towards uh, yeah. homosexuals. And where some athletes would do the. I'm sorry if I offended somebody. I apologize, you know, whatever. He actually went out and, and made a point of educating and, and saying, like, I screw this up. And here's where I came from a place of ignorance and you, where you shouldn't. And, right. you know, so even in, in those moments where a lot of athletes would have shied away from their mistake, he came and owned it in a way that, that you know, again, sh- this is important. Like when Kobe does it that way, it makes a huge difference. Um, coming up next, we're going to talk to Sam Amick from The Athletic, uh, another great NBA writer who covered a lot of Kobe Bryant's uh, incredible career. We'll do that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano, 710 ESPN. Uh, we are joined, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and George Sedano. Joined now, uh, not by Sam Amick, who we'll uh, talk to in about 15 minutes, but Zach Lowe from ESPN, kind enough to to stop in. Zach, thanks for, for coming in. I know it's a, a busy time with a lot of demands on people, so we do appreciate it. My pleasure. I, where, when you kind of start here with Kobe and you think about like the, the parts of him that you want to think about, talk about, write about, where where for you do you start? I, I don't even know. Like I'm still shell-shocked. I still haven't sort of processed what happened, but... I just think I, I, went, I got to my I was just had taken off from New York yesterday when this happened. Um, so I got to my hotel late at night 
I was like, I'm just going to watch some old Kobe playoff games. Like, just let me go through on YouTube. And and I just started thinking about, like, why did people gravitate to him more than other superstar players? Like, what is it about him where the discourse was so different and the level of devotion was so different? And, like, you would debate, like, oh, he's a 33% three-point shooter and a PR and this and that. It's like, that misses the point. The point is something larger than that. Kobe, he, he somehow transcended even, like, winning championships. He became... I don't know even what the right word is for it, but he and I wanted to, like, why is that? Why did that happen? What is it about him? And I was trying to just watch him, be like, is it something about the way he plays? And just sort of grappling with that. I, for me, I, I think it's this aspect of he was so confident and dedicated to this way of doing it. I, this is my belief on how this should be done. Um, and over the course of twenty years, between the good moments and the bad moments, and the moments of popularity and unpopularity, guys, it feels like if you were in on Kobe, you were in. Like you, That required commitment because there were a lot of places you could jump off and a lot of places where people gonna, would want to shove you. I was going to say, you had true skin in the game if you were a Kobe fan from beginning to the end without ever you know, taking that toe out of the water. And you were often put in a place where you would defend being a fan of Kobe. And I think just after a while, like that, that type of investment... It builds and it grows, and for a lot of Kobe fans, like it was a badge of honor being the biggest one possible. Well, and I think that's an interesting point, and Zach, maybe this helps. It's because, like, at least people here, right? Like, you can see, like, they literally saw him grow up, right? Like, they saw him be a kid into a man who was married and had children and had stumbles um, and had great moments, and then even had a, a even a professional redemption story where everybody was saying, oh, he'll rue the day that Shaq left him and he was able to prove those people wrong. So I, I, th- I feel like the story arc had so many different places where you could, as they said, jump off. But people were like, no, I am I am invested in this guy because I've, I've been here. It's like, you know, like a great show. Like you're not getting off no matter how bad or how, how many twists and turns it may take. Well, it's, it's funny. It's it's the stupidest, most obvious point, but I, I watched a couple of games from 2001, Shaq era, then I watched the 2008 game, or uh, maybe 2000, I don't know, but one, one pal year, playoff game, and it just, just doing that consecutively sort of hammers the point home from the Lakers fan perspective, is like, everything is completely different. Not the coach, everything but the coach is completely different. The triangle, I guess, is there too, but you know what I mean. All the pieces are different. Mm-hmm. You're looking at, oh, it, it, it's Shaq and Horace Grant, and then it's Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom. Like, what's the one thing that's just like, and it, he moves the same, he looks the same, the shots are the same, the jersey number is different, the, the the band is around yeah. the, the sweatband <laughs> yeah, right. is around the yeah. left arm, yeah. and and like by just osmosis, if something sticks in your life that long as a fan, it just it takes on greater meaning to you. You're, you're somebody, Zach, that you, when you watch film, you pay very close attention. You see a lot of little things that I think people don't pick up on. You just said that you've been watching a lot of Kobe. What, what are some of the things that you've noticed that, that stand out to you in terms of just approach to the game technique? Real quick, before you answer that, um, we've just been told that the Lakers-Clippers game has been postponed. Okay. Oh, well, there it is. Yeah. So Good choice, you guys think? Um. I mean, if if the Lakers didn't feel compelled that to play, if they didn't feel like they're in the right state of mind, no, the Clippers have already played. Zach, I feel like that's that's the move you have to make, right? Yeah, that's a that's a Lakers thing. That's yeah. if if it's the Lakers and the players. If the players are not 
if it's just too soon. If it's too soon for everybody, don't you know? They live. It's L.A. L.A. You can play at any time. I do think there is a certain poetry in the kind of L.A. coming together. Um, the Clippers have these two homegrown L.A. superstars on their team now, but you can do that. You can do that when people are ready to do that. Well, and you know, we had Spears on earlier, and he made a great point. It's like these two teams play in the same building. There are dark dates in yeah, this building. You can it's do easy to get it. it. Yeah, to to and get also, them to play a, again. It, it's 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 a really significant game. Like this is a game that matters in how the the Western Conference is shaped over the course. I mean, if the Lakers win this game, it puts the Clippers like you know five sixty whatever it is back. Uh, and vice versa, like it, it, it's a very consequential game to play until players. It's funny, are ready. see, I, I just haven't even been able to. I, I was trying to read. I, bo- thought about I was trying to read box up, scores yeah. this morning of the games I didn't watch yesterday, and I was I would just read them, you know, but I just information would just go yeah. out of. But like I haven't even thought about like that's a game that actually matters. Like right. it actually matters for right. the number one seed. And it's and, and I've been it was a question like the importance of the game and the what what this does to the team is one of these questions I've been trying to kind of put off thinking about because it doesn't matter it feels ghoulish in a way because it's it's not about what people are really focused on at the moment but there is a season that's going to continue for the lakers and this game does have stakes and you want to make sure that the that both sides but in particular the lakers are not in a place where it feels unfair for them to be playing it's almost i mean it's 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 as close as you can come to one of these moments where a player on the team dies, a car crash, or whatever it might be. It's, it's happened periodically. This is about as close as you can get without it being that, in terms of one person's impact on a franchise. Well, I mean, the, the thing that we always talked about with Kobe and the Lakers is just the idea of how will they ever move forward from Kobe. And just like the the presence that he's always had with that organization. Well, we talked about this earlier, Zach, and I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like, there's a monumental task at the feet of LeBron James. I feel like right now, but if there's any player like to heal, I think this t- city, this t- organization. Um, but I think if there's any player who can handle that type of task and have it bestowed on his feet, uh, it's LeBron James. I I would think so. I mean, he's been the best player in the league for a long time now. He's He's played every high-stakes game. You know, this is going to be different. And to your guy's point, I mean, they're going to play the season for him, and they're a championship contender, and their their season takes on it, – it would be a little bit different if they were just a run-of-the-mill 500 team, but they're not. They're a championship contender. They're going to be playing in May, maybe in June, and, and this this is going to be the defining part of their season. It's – um, and, you know, to your point, George, about LeBron, I, there's also – nobody has the awareness, I think, to understand – like just what that is. I mean, beyond the experience, but like not everybody, I think, would just be able to perceive it. Um, and and LeBron is certainly in that handful of guys who I think does. And now, sort of what that means for him in this city. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can understand like the concept of everything you do matters, it's LeBron. I mean, there's no such thing as an insignificant statement or or move or decision for LeBron. Everything he does matters. Um, all right. So uh, once again, if you if you <clears throat> just missed it, uh, Mark Spears reporting from ESPN that the Lakers and Clippers game scheduled for tomorrow night uh, has been postponed by the NBA. No date for uh, that to be made up has yet been announced. Uh, breaking news on 710 ESPN is powered by Valvoline Instant Oil Change, home of the 15 minute drive through oil change. Visit SoCalOilChange.com to find a location near you and to download up to $15 in coupons. Uh, thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Zach. Um, All right, so we will have uh, Sam Amick coming up next from The Athletic. He, of course, covered Kobe for a long 
time as well. Thank you again to Zach Lowe for stopping in. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano, 710 ESPN. Uh, if you missed the news, the breaking news, the Lakers and Clippers game scheduled for tomorrow has been postponed. This from the NBA, the National Basketball Association game between the Los Angeles Lakers and the LA Clippers scheduled for Tuesday, January 28th at Staples Center has been postponed. Postponed. The decision was made out of respect for the Lakers organization, which is deeply grieving the tragic loss of Lakers legend Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and seven other people in a helicopter crash on Sunday. The game will be rescheduled at a later date. Uh, Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky, George Sedano, uh, joined now by Sam Amick from The Athletic. Uh, Sam, thank you so much for coming on and uh, making the time. I know it's it's busy uh, and, and a lot of demand, so we do appreciate it. No problem, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, this was not part of the plan. I feel like I'm coming to you from a somewhat fitting spot. I'm, I'm in L.A. by LAX. I was getting a haircut at a uh, a sport clips and looking up on the wall to the, the many pictures of Kobe. And it's, you know, I know the word surreal gets thrown around a, a lot on a day like this, but it, it's sure, uh, it's just something else to look up at that wall and, and know that he's gone. Um, I'll ask you the same question I've asked everybody who's joined us today. There are so many places to start when you have to think about sitting down and, and writing and talking about Kobe and, and where to begin. What was your instinct to, you know, which parts of Kobe? Uh, to to try to talk about it at a time like this, um, I mean, there's there's obviously a, a lot there. You're talking about the 20 year career. You're talking about everything that came before the career. You're talking about the, you know, the championship legacy, the off court stuff. Some of it certainly, you know, challenging to to kind of look back on. And for for me and for us at our company, and just being transparent, you know, we we had a journalistic discussion about different elements of the coverage that needed to be involved and and uh, and so you know it was discussed that within my column where honestly thank you uh that's a weird public thank you to jerry west for answering my call yesterday and and adding just some substance and perspective and some positivity to a column that you know didn't did end up going down some of the more negative roads of Kobe's legacy and, and exploring some of the complications of his humanity and uh that balance was the road that I went down, you know, talking to Jerry about what this was like for him to learn of this happening, how he's telling himself over and over again, this can't be true, this can't be true, and then eventually just kind of hitting the rewind button. And I tried as best I could to to essentially kind of acknowledge uh, what none of us will ever understand. Only Kobe knows, uh, you know, kind of how he reconciled the good and the bad in his life. And, uh, but I tell you what, towards the, the tail end, I sure was having fun watching this guy discover himself after his playing career and become such a creative force and somebody who was humbly trying to learn as much as possible about all these different crafts and, and reinvent himself in a way that you do not often see with former players. Yeah, that actually, I, I was going to ask you about that, Sam. Just as somebody who saw the complete evolution of Kobe's career professionally and personally, what, just what are the biggest takeaways that you have from that as an observer? Well, I mean, like like anybody else, he evolved, right? Like there were times when he would walk out of the locker room and he would be in a certain kind of mood with a certain type of spirit and demeanor, and you'd say, man, that dude is, he's he's a lot. Like he's a, he's, he's a handful, you know. And then, the you know, you come back for the next game and everything would be a little bit different, and you'd be like, man, that dude's charming. You're like, gosh, he could just get you to go back to the laptop and, and just want to write a, a basketball love letter. And, and it was all sides. And – you know, it was the fact that, again, the fresh stuff for me and the more personal stuff is that I really did get to know him, I think, even better uh, 
after he retired than I did while covering him. As you guys know, when you are covering these athletes, you're talking about a setting where, you know, you're surrounded by mobs all the time in the media. It's hard to get one-on-one time. He and I did more after he stepped away from the court, uh, and it, it was even more meaningful because, honestly, he really quickly became, like, as close to a quote-unquote normal person as I think you can, given his life story. He, he I found him to be incredibly relatable, and all of a sudden – for me, we're around the same age, and it's kind of like I looked up, and it's like, well, now he wasn't this this icon who I covered anymore. He was uh, he was a 41 year old, you know what I mean, with kids, and he was trying to be there as a good dad and be there as a husband, and and have an incredible impact like he was having in the youth community and all these other places. Um, so I, I just hate, like Jerry West said, that that was you know that was cut short so incredibly, uh, you know, terribly. Sam, as we kind of remember that transformation, like what would you say was the impetus for that? Um, I just think it's the way. Are you talking about George the the post playing transformation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just his. He was an, an inquisitive mind, and he was cast himself with being the best at whatever he did. And you know, and and once the playing days were over, and he talked about this recently in a in a sit down interview with Mark Medina of, of USA Today, how he had people coming at him when he retired saying they were worried about an identity crisis and worried about him, you know, being depressed and finding himself, that people were legitimately trying to counsel him on that front. And so he came up with a plan and he wanted to build Granity Studios and he wanted to do something like Deer Basketball and he wanted to create the Mamba Sports Academy where, you know, I mean if you guys remember last summer no better testament to the way his peers saw him basketball-wise when, you know, some of the biggest stars in the game flocked to that academy for this kind of VIP camp that he hosted uh, right around the same time that the Team USA squad was getting going. So he just – he took the same – it's it's really corny. A lot of mentality has become a marketing thing. So I, I, I feel like we got to remember, like, it was rooted in something very authentic and genuine. Sure, now it's on a poster and a, and a T-shirt, but he had a mentality, and he attacked the off-court stuff after retirement with that same sort of approach. Uh, Sam Amick writes for The Athletic, covers the NBA for The Athletic. Great story today, uh, including the reflections of Jerry West. Um, very powerful stuff. And, uh, Sam, thank you again so much for making the time. I know it's a, it's busy. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Sam. And, you know, that that – you know, it's worth going to read. And, you know, and, and uh, Jerry West was on with Jim Hill yesterday on CBS, too. Like, you just the impact of these people and, you know, people who, you know, not to be terribly maudlin, are, are not supposed to bury Kobe. No, so it's of course. the other way around. And, of course um, not. Those types of reflections, though, are, are important. And, you know, the, the reflections, guys, that we heard today from fans are important, from people who covered them are important. And it's something we'll be doing for a, a while. I mean, there, there's a lot of ground to cover. I mean, there just is a, you're, you're talking about a career that beyond being as successful as it was, there's really no comparison point. Like the thing that to me has always been most, I guess, fascinating about Kobe's career is just how interesting it's been. Like that's the thing that's there's always stood out to me the no most. No question. His career and Kobe as a person is interesting. And, and I can't think of a comparable career. In sports, much less the NBA. No, not with those kinds of, of swings and, and, and highs and lows. And yes. Achievements and, and it just, and that growth, about that it. public yeah. growth, you know, and, and the aging, all of it. All right. So, um, so much more that we'll be doing here, uh, at 710 ESPN around, uh, 
Kobe Bryant and remembering his life. Uh, Mason and Ireland are coming up next. After Mason and Ireland, 6 o'clock tonight, we'll be replaying Kobe's final game. Uh, and, of course, uh, more local coverage tomorrow. Andy and I will be back at 10 a.m. tomorrow as well. So, again, Mason Ireland coming up next, and then Kobe's final game at 6 o'clock, 60 points against the Utah Jazz, 710 ESPN.